Welcome to the Filmed Live Musicals Podcast, a podcast about stage musicals that have been legally filmed and publicly distributed. The Filmed Live Musicals website contains information on nearly 200 musicals that have been captured live. Check it out at filmedlivemusicals.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome to episode 22 of the Filmed Live Musicals podcast. I am your host, Louisa Lyons. One of the unexpected joys of the pandemic has been discovering the incredible work of companies around the world who have shared their productions online. One such company is the North London-based Chicken Shed, an inclusive company that creates extraordinary productions that are inventive, powerful, inspiring, and truly some of the best theatre I've watched over the past year. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Susan Jamson, Chicken Shed Press and PR Manager, who in September will have worked with the company for 30 years. Welcome, Susan. Well, thank you very much. Yes, it seems a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> Before we dive into Chicken Shed's work, what made you fall in love with theatre? I've always loved theatre. Um, when I first left school, I was a travel agent, and a part of being a travel agent is was selling theatre tickets. And being a poor travel agent, because they don't earn a lot of money, it was wonderful because I used to be able to go and see theatre whenever I wanted, you know, free theatre. And I just fell in love with it. And, and actually, although I talk a lot, um, I'm incredibly shy. So theatre to me is something that's so exciting, so I mean, I love cinema, but theatre is really special to me. So, yeah, so when uh, when I actually came to Chicken Shed, it was like, whoa, this is what I really love. Better than travelling. Sort of like travelling. <laughs> Armchair travelling. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so what led you to Chicken Shed? Well, um, I was a travel agent from the time I left school. And, uh, and then I had my first child. And... I, I wasn't a natural mother. I didn't think I was going to be a natural mother. I wanted children, but I didn't particularly at that point want to want to look after them. However, um, I had—I know it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? I had my daughter, and the moment I just, as you do, I fell in love with her. Uh, I was scared even to pick her up. They had to keep me in hospital for a week um, because I wouldn't pick her up because I'd never picked up a baby. So I had my first child. I know, ridiculous, um, but I. I, t I t I told uh, my work that I would go back to work and uh, and I became like the the earth mother of the world in that I was breastfeeding her but I still went back to work and I used to put Catherine under the table and and carry on working in in uh, in travel and then I had a, a second baby and uh, and then I decided right I'm going to have to stop work this is ridiculous I've got two children two little girls and then when my girls were six and four, I had my third baby, uh, another little girl, um, and Emma was born with Down syndrome. And it was a huge shock to me, a, you know, massive shock. I had her on a, a Sunday uh, with a cesarean. I walked out the hospital the following day, not uh, not wanting to take Emma home. But yes, it was a massive reaction. It, it sort of wasn't in my in my um, lifestyle. I wasn't going to have this. This wasn't going to be my life. I was going to have my children. I was going to work. You know, I it never even occurred to me that I would ever have a child that had had a disability. Um, it just didn't didn't occur to me. So I, I left her in the hospital. But um, being as I would seem to be a breastfeeding guru, um, my daughter wouldn't wouldn't feed. So every four hours, I had to go back into the hospital to feed. Emma but I refused to pick her up I didn't pick her up 
Uh, the nurses used to give I used to take my four year old with me the nurses used to give me her and I'd feed her and then I'd go home which was ridiculous driving straight after having a cesarean etc um, and it was uh, four days later or, um, when I decided I went into the hospital and the doctors were working on a, a new baby and um, I couldn't ring the bell to ask them to pick uh, Emma up my baby up so I went she was crying I'm just gonna have to go and pick her up so I picked her up and I fed her and I looked at her and I thought, oh, gosh, this is ridiculous. I'm just going to take her home, keep her for a year and then send her back. That was my plan, really. Where did you think you were going to send her back to? I was going <laughs> to, I don't know. But at that time, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. So the worst bit is, remember, this is 37 years ago. Um, nowadays, uh, you know, certainly in Britain, you've got to have all these special car seats and all sorts of things. Um, me, I decided to take Emma home. So I picked her up. It was November. I picked her up, wrapped her up in a blanket, walked out the hospital with my four-year-old, sat my four-year-old in the back of the car and said, here are, hold Emma. And I drove home. <laughs> Poor four-year-old, traumatised. No, she wasn't traumatised. And uh, and that was it then. I Emma was ours and we adore her. So I brought Emma home uh, on the Thursday. She was born on the Sunday. I brought her home on the Thursday. And immediately when you have a child that has any sort of problems, you seem to have an absolute army of people that come and see your child. And they were all lovely, but they were all um, obviously concerned about me and saying, don't worry, you know, Everything will be fine. You can send your daughter off to special school. You know, you won't need to do anything. People will come and help you. Everything will be fine. And uh, and if you don't want your daughter, there's a load of people that would want to adopt her, um, which, yeah, which, which was I suppose was nice um, that they told me that because I didn't feel them pressured. Anyhow, uh, people kept coming and telling, and I kept saying to people, gosh, you ought to see, look, Emma's smiling now, or Emma's doing such and such. And um, they'd never had a child with Down syndrome who'd been able to breastfeed because they always said they uh, children got long, uh, big tongues. But I fed Emma, um, no problem at all. And uh, so everything was, I thought, was going really, really well. Um, when Emma was, um, and people still came, but when Emma was two, um, I had a phone call where somebody said, we're going to pick up Emma. We're going to take her off to this special place. We take, we'll pick her up at eight o'clock. We'll give her breakfast, give her lunch, give her tea, drop her around back to you at half past four. And I asked why. And they said, well, I could give you a break. But I didn't want a break. I, my, my, my daughter was absolutely lovely and I adored being with her. Um, so, you know, it was it was a strange time. Um, and then it, it got to school time. And I was told that Emma couldn't go into mainstream school. The children like these, whatever these is, um, don't go into mainstream school. But I lived in a village, as I said, and I wanted Emma to go to the school along with her sisters. Um, so I went to see the schools and asked if they'd take her. And they were a little bit apprehensive. But I went on the PA. That's the Parents Associations of Schools. And I cleaned windows and I read books to children and things so that they would get used to me having Emma and they wouldn't mind her going into school. And and she did go into school and, you know, that, that seemed all right. And she she actually could read quicker than most other kids because she could read upside down as well as around the right way, which was great. Um <laughs> really was honestly it was such such a they, they wouldn't give her a word tin on the first day and, and she was so upset when she came out because every other child had had a word tin and I went in and said please can I have a word tin and they went oh, 
children like these don't read. And I said, I know, but can she just have a word tin, just like the others? And eventually she was reading, honestly, she was reading with other kids because she could read better. She's an amazing reader, most amazing reader. Um, anyhow, so uh, life was going on reasonably well, but I wanted her to go to gym club and they said, yes, she could, but I had to go on the equipment. I wanted her to learn how to swim, but I had to go in the pool and I can't swim. So that was like oh, the worst thing ever. But they wouldn't they didn't want Emma to, to go swimming without me. This was all insurance reasons. Um, I wanted her to go to rainbows, which is like brownies, but I had to go with her. I had to become a guide. It was ridiculous. Um, everything I had to do with Emma because people didn't want her to do it on her own. And, and there wasn't anybody else in the village who had Down syndrome. So Emma was sort of the first one. And I really, really wanted to find something that my three kids could do together. If I'm honest, that my three kids could do together and I could go and have a coffee, really, and just sit down and wave goodbye to my children and and somebody else would do something with them for an hour and a half. And I thought it was good for Emma as well. Um, so somebody told me about Chicken Shed and said, oh, you walked. And I, because I was such an annoying person saying I just want Emma to be accepted like the others, um, somebody told me about Chicken Shed and said, there's this theatre company. It's amazing. They have people, all different sorts of people, really good, you know, go and have a look. But it was it, it was miles away. You know, it was like 35 miles away. And I didn't really want to go because, you know, <laughs> it was a long drive after school. Um, but anyhow, some they, this person bought me a ticket to go and see a show. And I went into London to see this show. And to be honest, I went to see what other kids with Down syndrome, how they, how good they were, you know, how, how mine compared, because I didn't know other people with, with kids with Down syndrome. And I sat down in the theatre and I started to watch this show. And I must tell you, it was it was quite a special show because Princess Diana was there and she was so no, no, so <laughs> ridiculous. Me and Princess Diana. No, she was seeing she was seeing the show because she'd heard about Chicken Shed. So it was all very exciting for me. However, I went to see what other kids with Down syndrome were like. And within five minutes, I'd forgotten to look because the show was so phenomenal seriously you know that feeling where you see theater and your heart drops and you think oh my god that was so good and I came out and I thought I was so cross with myself because I didn't look to see you know how Emma was and it was a children's show it was called Anansi um, and we'd done this show in the Royal Albert Hall with um, a thousand kids from all over London this wasn't what the one I saw I saw a special one that Diana had asked if we could do in a London theater so anyhow, I thought, right, that was good, but I bet that was just a one-off. So six months later, I know, <laughs> six months later, I went to see an adult show of the company because they take people of all ages um, called The Attraction. And uh, I sat down in the Shaw Theatre in London and the lights went down and there were spotlights everywhere and there was a requiem that was so strong, it did honestly make my heart just feel as though god this is so exciting and I sat through this show and it was better than anything I'd ever seen better than Les Miserables better than, it was just remarkable and at the end of the show and I took my kids with me and at the end of the show I sat in the bar because I wanted to see the 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 actors I wanted just to be near them because they were just so amazing and 
And I sat through now two shows. Um, up until then, my whole life, I reckon every single day I said the word Down syndrome somewhere in my conversation. But I watched this show and I didn't think about it. I I just watched good theatre. And yes, there were people with Down syndrome. Yes, there were people, you know, all different sorts of people. But the show and the performance and the production values, everything was phenomenal. So I came home and that night I wrote to Chicken Shed and saying what I'm saying to you now, really, I have never seen anything like it. And I want one in High Wycombe where I live because this is what I want. I want this for my all three of my kids. And at, the, at that point, there were two people that ran it, Mary Ward and Joe Collins. And they wrote back to me and uh, and said, why don't you come and see your workshop? Just come and see how we are. So I had to find this place, Palmer's Green. No idea where it was. I got my kids in the back of the car, fed them in the back of the car, got to got to the theatre. And that was it. My kids went into a workshop while I talked to Mary and Joe. And I've been coming ever since. So Emma, I know. And now 30 years later. (laughs) Well, Emma was only seven at the time. And she um, sat in the corner for about, probably about uh, well over a month. And other kids would sit with her and they'd encourage her. And she would look up under her under her eyes to see what was happening because until then wherever she went she felt that she was special there was something special about her but at chicken shed she wasn't special she was just another kid that went to the theater and uh, and anyhow so she joined in the september and in the november we did another show um again with princess diana there and emma was up there dancing whatever and it was the start of something that was amazing so to be honest I went there because not just for Emma I went there for my three kids because my middle one you know when you've got a child that's got additional needs sometimes you spend a lot more time with them than maybe you you, instead of sharing your time with your kids and so my middle one was very shy my older one was amazing but a complete maniac you know like you know, a child from hell, uh, a 12 year old from hell. Um, and it was good for all of them, all of them, because suddenly that, you know, we were a family doing something together. And, you know, and, and both my kids now are teachers, my two older kids are teachers, and they teach in mainstream schools, but they have kids that have got additional needs, and it's not a big deal. So, you know, chicken sheds made such a difference to, to my life. And obviously, I mean, Emma's 37 now and she she works for Chicken Shed. She delivers um, uh, shows to uh, early years and she teaches and she goes into schools and teaches. And there are other kids who maybe have got additional needs that see Emma and go, oh, you know, I can I can get to that. And it is just the best thing ever. And I don't think there's ever been a time. I know when I first used to come, I used to see a show and go, oh, my God, that was the best thing I've ever seen. And 30 years later, I still come out of the shows going, that is the best show. And it is. It's not me talking rubbish. It's me saying, and, you know, it makes such a difference to the people who see the shows and the people in the shows and people who maybe don't know anything about, you know, including people, because it isn't just uh, we don't have just people who've got additional needs. We have 
you know, we have a whole range, kids from uh, and grown-ups from every background, every culture, every race, every religion, every ability, you name it, what you see in the streets of London, we have on the stage. So people who are in the audience can often go and watch something and see themselves. And that's what's important. It's it's just just amazing. How extraordinary. And what a journey you went on from the time Emma was born through yes. all, you know, th- from being told that she wouldn't be able to do anything and that she would be different from everybody else to finding this extraordinary home, home away from home Absolutely. that is Absolutely. not only accepting but uh, encouraging and provides skills and employment and mm-hmm. provides it's something even more tangible, uh, more, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, more special than just, you know, yeah. practical skills is one thing, sure, but it's it's this community of people that want to make art and tell stories and be be inclusive and a part of the community, and that is Absolutely. so special. It, it is, it really is, but, you know, it, it made such a difference to Emma's life because throughout her schooling she felt different you know schools it's not their fault that you know she was different to the other kids uh, you know she had down syndrome so whatever was in their brains um from seeing somebody with down syndrome or hearing about it that's that's the picture that they conjured up but emma went through school um i really fought to keep her in mainstream stream and chicken shed actually came they were so kind um because when she went to secondary school there were no other children apart from one little boy whose dad was a headmaster there were no children that went into secondary school at that stage who had got down syndrome but emma you know could do things she can't she could you know all all three of my children could do different things and emma can do things that the others couldn't do and then she couldn't do you know she, she's like me with some she can't see naught she can't add up and I'm exactly like that. You know, I, I can't say anything other than she's like me. Um, and uh, so anyhow, uh, Chicken Shed, they were so kind because we Chicken Shed isn't just a theatre. I should say that first of all. Chicken Shed isn't just a theatre. Um, it started off as, as uh, it's well, the reason why it's called Chicken Shed is because it started in a chicken shed. The two people that I wrote to, Mary and Joe, went to church. Mary in, in just around the corner from here. And Mary was a primary school teacher and Joe was a musician and she played on I don't know if you know it, she played on amazing tra- uh, um, albums like Tubular Bells. Do you know Tubular oh, Bells? Yes. I know. Really? I know tubular, I love, <laughs> was, exactly. She played on Tubular Bells. And she, uh, yeah, she was a, a session musician, a very good musician. And the two of them used to go to church together. And Mary had just moved in because she'd had a little boy into the area. And they used to go to church and talk about one day starting a theatre group. And uh, there was a lady called Lady Elizabeth Bing who used to go to church and she owned uh, a great big uh, country estate uh, called Rotham Park, where they made the film Gosford Park. Mm. Um, so just in case you saw it. And uh, she said, well, I've got an old chicken shed on my grounds. Why don't you use that? And Mary and Joe went to have a look and it was an amazing space because you could make theatre anywhere. So the kids that used to go used to say, we're going to the chicken shed. We're going to Chicken Shed and it became Chicken Shed. And Mary, Mary and Joe always said that when we became posh, they would change the name. But we've never become posh, really. Oh, uh, we funny. can't change the name. It's a bit, I know, I know. 
Um, and but anyhow, we were in the in the in the chicken shed for about five years, and then Lady Elizabeth being um, sold the property, so we had to find other places to go to, and we went to church halls. Uh, but it was difficult because church halls, you have to jiggle around brownies and, you know, I don't know, playing cards and all sorts of things. Um, so that was, I know, I know, it's so difficult. And they never knew where, where we were. Um, but anyhow, one of the kids that came went to school with Judy Dench's um, daughter. And uh, they used to do beautiful stuff. And the music, when they used to come to pick the kids up, the music would just sing out from, from the church halls. And uh, and Judy Dench and Michael Williams saw Chicken Shed and said, oh, gosh, you've got to one day find, you know, find a home for you. You know, you can't keep dodging like this. And they brought in John Alderton and Pauline Collins. Pauline Collins did uh, oh, that thing from Greece, uh, from uh, where she's an older lady and uh, she meets she goes off and goes off the rails and meets a beautiful Greek person. I can't think of the can't think of the film but she's there in in England they're really good actors and um, they said that they were going to try and help us to raise the money to find our own home and uh, they were friends with a lady called Lady Jane Rain. Lady Jane Rain was the lady in waiting at the Queen's wedding Uh, no the Queen's coronation and uh, so you know a, a, a lady and lords and ladies always have a charity and they lady rain decided that she would make us a charity lady rain was married to max rain who was the chairman of the national theater so we had really great theater people behind us and they worked i know it shows how good our theater is honestly a trevor nun once came to see uh, our Midsummer Night Stream. I went. I wish I could do that. That is just so good. I know. I know. So many stories. Over thirty years, I've got so many stories. Um, anyhow, so they um, helped us to raise money to build our theatre. Lady Rain knew Princess Diana and said, "Would you like to come along? I I know this theatre group and I think you'll like them." As you know, Lady, uh, Princess Diana always wanted to be a ballerina. And she came to Chicken Shed and, of course, she saw all sizes, all heights, all abilities. And she said, if I'd had a chicken shed when I was young, I could have been a ballerina. So she became our patron and people paid loads of money to go and sit in the same room as her, the same theatre, watching a show. Because we thought it was because they wanted to see Chicken Shed, but I think it was probably because they wanted to see um princess diana um so that's where we we would have got our theater we would have built our theater anyhow but we were able to get it quite a bit quicker really um and we were also it's really a funny story because you know even since i've been here um like when um when we have people from uh abroad that uh the Prime Minister wants to, not Boris Johnson doesn't know us, but the Prime Minister wants to show what Chicken Shed is like, or what, sorry, what the country is like. We're often asked to go and perform because um, they can say, this is Chicken Shed, it's an example of what Britain is today, because we are really diverse, um, you know, and, and we, we do show what chicken, what, what the country is like. Um, you know that it is such such a multicultural country, um, a multi ability, multi everything. So we really do demonstrate that with our work, which which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we built this theatre, which is beautiful. Uh, it's in North London. It's got four performance spaces. It's not very big, 
and it was a very small space. We had a barbecue and it, we went, oh, my God, this is so tiny. But obviously, Mary and Joe had a real idea of what they wanted to build. It's completely accessible and it's absolutely beautiful. And uh, we we love it. Um, so we're very lucky. And we we so now Mary and Joe said we can't ever have you know, kids not being educated, it's not right. So when we moved into the theatre, a year after we moved in, we started a BTEC course. Um, and, and then we did a foundation degree and we do a BA honours. But the, the only, and it's exactly the same as any university degree that you can get anywhere in the country, except in the rest of the country, I don't know what it's like in, in America, but the rest of the country, you have to have so many qualifications, so many exams to be able to take a BTEC, to be able to take a foundation and to be able to get a BA honours. At Chicken Shed, you don't need to have anything. You just have to have a love of theatre. So we say that your life experience is what should encourage you to come on the courses. So, for example, although Emma... Um, went through mainstream school she only came out with performing arts surprisingly enough as a GCSE um, but she came here and she did the BTEC she did the foundation she did the BA and she's now got a 2-2 BA honours in performance where that's never happened before and she did it off her own merit um, she had to take a little bit longer to do it but Chicken Shed look at absolutely every individual and make sure that the education fits that person. We don't have failures and we have a 98% um, retention rate and 66% of our young people wouldn't be accepted onto any other course uh, anywhere else. But here they, they get a qualification, which means that then they can go off feeling proud with this piece of paper saying, okay, can you employ me? So we help people to get education. And it's just, honestly, I, I watch, I watch the kids come in every year and, and then I watch them at their graduation and it is the most wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. Yeah. I can't say enough about it. I wish that my listeners could see your face because it is glowing. You, Susan has this giant smile and she's just glowing. It's so beautiful to see that it, I can see how invested and, and how much this work means to you. It, it does. It means so much. And it means for the kids, for the kids, you know, and we, because we're in London, uh, or just outside London, we're in a part of London where there is a lot of um, uh, problems with young people. You know, we, we've got a knife crime problem here and we have had some kids that um, have been killed through knife crime. Um, but we now as well, we bring kids in from, um, in fact, social services ask us to take kids that don't want to go to school, don't want to be educated. But all kids like rapping, like music, like, you know, that sort of thing. So they ask us if we can take young people and we um, mentor them because our staff are very young. We make sure that our staff are hardly older than the kids that come here. Because as me as a, you know, an older woman, if I asked people not to take drugs, not to pick up a knife, not to, they would look at me as I'm some sort of idiot. But when you've got young people who have done it, been there, gone through it, and they're talking to other young people. So we've got kids that really have been written off by education and by society, basically, 
that we then bring in. And it isn't a quick fix. It really isn't. It doesn't happen overnight. We work with them. We help them. And then you've seen our films. They're on stage. (laughs) They're on stage and they're achieving something, doing something they love. And they then are able to talk to other young kids who maybe are going through the same thing, but they've been through it. They've they've experienced it. Mm. So it, so although yes, we are a theatre. A theatre is is a way that we can help, especially young people, to get back into life to to feel um, to feel respectful of themselves, to feel that you know there is a future for them. There's nothing worse than young people thinking there's nothing for them it's terrible so that I think that's one of the biggest things that Chicken Shed does mm. and even through lockdown I mean we've been in lockdown since uh we're not now but we're back but even during lockdown there is every single workshop session and lesson continued online we learned these skills that we've never known and often the kids helped us with the skills but we delivered all of the workshops all of the sessions and all of the performances and now where we've got a project with um, Helsinki and New York and us and we've got another project in Jerusalem which at this time is something that is yeah we want to work with young people from Jerusalem regardless of uh, whether they were um, Jewish or, or Arab or whatever, we're working over there as well. We work mm-hmm. in China. We work in Russia. So it's when do you sleep? <laughs> I don't. I, I don't think any of us. Seriously, I don't think any of us do. Yeah. You know, I'm enthusiastic as you can tell, but I wish you could walk around the building because you would see that I am just one of a lot, a lot of people that are just as enthusiastic as me. Oh, because it well just extraordinary so prior to the pandemic uh you were working with um over a thousand children yes. at, at the london um yes building and then a further about five thousand through your outreach programs that's right yes we've got um full-time students 200 full-time students at any one time then we've got a membership of around about 800 um, then we do, um, uh, we've got an adult workshop. Uh, during the pandemic, we did a, a special thing we called, we've been doing this thing called the space between us where we work with older people. We bring our older people to work with younger people because we found that there was a big gap and a lot of, um, younger, younger kids were saying, Oh, old people, they don't understand us. And old people say, young children, oh, look at them, look what they're doing now. So we actually did this, this ridiculous thing, which was amazing where the older people, the slightly older people came in and we worked with them and then we worked with the younger people then we got them to speak to each other to write to each other saying if you looked at me we didn't say anything about them but we said if you looked at me you'd probably think and then we got them to write to each other and then we brought them together to meet and then they put on a show together and it was based on the Beatles but it was just amazing and these people now all through the pandemic have been writing to each other we've done this thing called living letters um so yeah we've got that group and then we work all the way we work across london we take out our thing called crime of the century and day one big school which is knife crime we also work with um women who have been in fact women and men who have been subjected to domestic abuse um we work with um Uh, special schools and mainstream schools and bring them together because often they don't come together but we do workshops where they come together and we yeah so we work all the way across the the country 
mm. and Wales. Been working in Wales with uh, in villages in Wales um, with uh, again domestic abuse. Um, yeah, so it's it's it is big. It's oh my! It's like it's even bigger than I I I can't conceptualize the how massive your programming is. Uh, so the pandemic yeah. hit and you had to go into lockdown. What made the company decide to put work online? We had to. We've, we had all these people that were, were coming um, and we couldn't not, you know, to many, to many of these young people, we are a lifeline um, to them. So we couldn't just stop. Um, so we, we found Zoom straight away. And honestly, we're so clever. We've made, we made Tales TV. So we've got a TV channel for our early years and we did, we did workshops, um, online where they would work online with us. Um, we, all of our lessons were online. They made films. I've got the most amazing films. They kept making films, um, which some of them we put on YouTube, but not, not all, obviously, because they're, they're lessons, but they worked just fantastically together and now it's taught us that for all our future shows we're going to record them um we put out a lot of our shows on online but they weren't filmed for um for us to record to, to put out um you've seen some of them they were filmed archival recordings. archive that's right but you can see but now we're going to we've learned the skills of filming filming with multi-cameras so we we will film everything so that people you know across the world can see our work but in a better quality yeah it's you know we 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 want it to be as good quality as it is on stage it's very different it's very different but uh yeah we we are filming everything Um, was it because the footage was archival footage that you decided to make it free rather than charging people to see the productions no I don't think we would have charged anyhow um obviously we've got to make money that's that's obvious but you know it was a pandemic and you know a lot of people have have struggled and we want we want theatre to be accessible that's our whole thing accessible to everybody so I don't think we would have charged we maybe we did charge for I think monologue we did but that was because we actually were opening and then we couldn't open it's been a struggle for us um Obviously, it's been a struggle. We're not making, you know, money. We're, we're lucky that we have a lot of supporters um, and a lot of the parents that support us as well. Um, but it's still a struggle. And obviously, now we've got to start what we're doing. We've opened and we're doing a Sunday Shed, which we've never done before, which is um, normally we are we have a membership and they we've got a waiting list. But now we're actually doing workshops um, on Sundays and on Saturdays and all through the summer holidays. And then we are doing it next week. We've got half term. So we're doing summer shorts, uh, everyday workshops for kids and their drop-ins. So people don't have to now be, well, they do have to be a member if they want to come to our membership, but they don't, they can just drop in, come and, uh, come and join and do an hour and a half's workshop. And then for some of the workshops, we're actually putting on a performance at the end of 13 weeks. So these kids who've never done theatre, we'll put on a performance for them. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it has for all theatres, it's been difficult. Um, but we didn't stop. Um, so, yeah, but I don't think we would have charged for our films. The exception to the archival recording was Alice's 
Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, which in 2005 you partnered with Liberty Bell and Sky. Yeah, that's right. Um, what led to that what, partnership? It was funny, really. We all the way through, you know, you know, um, being a theatre or being a company is a bit like being a child. You you take your steps as you're growing up, and um, we obviously we we got this theatre and we. Um, to begin with, we used to bus people in. You know, we used to say, "Come and see our show." We'll bus you in, um, and uh, and then we we got the reputation. You know, like me seeing the shows, how good they were, and uh, our shows then started to sell out. In fact, we used to put them up for sale, and we used to have a queue around the building wanting to book their tickets, so, which was lovely. And in a way, I suppose we became a little bit uh, blasé, and. Um, at one point, we we weren't in trouble, but we owed some money, and we didn't want to get into a situation where we um, we when, when you owe money, you, the only way you can go really is to owe more money if you borrow money. So we did our Christmas show, and then we stopped, and we um, went and did cabarets because we're always asked to go and do cabarets for companies. So we went to places like Coots Bank, they asked us to go, you know, all the big um, Goldman Sachs, you name it, they asked us to go and do a cabaret. And one of those was Sky. We we pitched for Sky and uh, James Murdoch came along and he absolutely loved what we did. And um, we pitched for to become a charity charity partner and we were able to offer workshops to places where they had um, like factories or whatever. So we, we worked up in Scotland, in, in a very poor part of Scotland, and we started um, branches, not branches, but we, we workshopped up there. And in exchange, um, so that was a, it was a partnership. So they said they would give us uh, money. Uh, I think it was a million pounds over three years if we um, – uh, would allow them to film our shows and if we would deliver workshops around the country to places that they wanted to, um, to, to to join with, which is what we did. So they then came and they filmed Alice's Adventures in, in Wonderland. So that was a really good recording, you know, because we had loads of cameras and things um, which we couldn't afford to do. So we were their partner for, for three years which was great. And then, so although we stopped doing our, our shows, we only stopped doing our shows during the, the middle of the year. So we did our Christmas show, then we stopped until uh, November, and then we did the next Christmas show. So it was just a little blip in the middle, but it taught us, you know, this is how we have to work. We, we, I think if we, if we could, we would like to offer what we do to everybody because we know that it makes sense, but we are, you know, we have to be financially stable and we have to, uh, you know, charge for our shows, which I know we wouldn't want to. I can remember when I first started, I think they used to do five pounds or pay what you can. You know, it was great. But, you, you know, you, you're growing up and you're you're learning the business. But now we're a, a proper big business, mm. which is beautiful. You said that you would going forward, you would film all your shows. Do you know what yes. the, the the camera setup will be? We've bought some equipment. Um, I don't know how it will work, but we've got, and they're all young, honestly, or most of our staff are, I'm the oldest person in the building. Um, the, st the staff are all very young and they're all 
very technically minded and we've got we're very lucky that we've got people who can help us we can ask you know various companies to help us to show us how to work it but we've we filmed monologue um in february it was meant to be a show uh, that we opened with um but we couldn't open we had another lockdown so we filmed that we also filmed mr stink david williams mr stink um we we opened with um in fact, three shows, ridiculous, three shows in December. And within two weeks, we were locked down again. Mm. So we had to, we had to close, but we filmed the shows. So we were able to put those out online. Um, so we will definitely film. It's good for us to film. You know, it's, it's another way, you know, at the moment people can only come and see Chicken Shed or tend to only come and see Chicken Shed if they live within, I don't know, 40 or 50 miles of us. But we obviously working in Helsinki, working in Finland, uh, working in New York, working in Israel, working in China. It would be good to be able to film our stuff and, you know, and use that and let people see that. Mm. Um, but it won't take away from live theatre, but it's just enhancing. It's a different way. It's not television. It's not film. It has, we're filming to live. So it's still, it's a new format. And I think a lot of theatres will do that now. Oh, I really hope so. What would you say to other companies who are hesitant to stream their work? Um, I think it's sad if they are hesitant. I think that um, there's been a lot of streaming and it doesn't have to be, you know, you're a member of Scene Saver and I, I watch their shows. They don't have to be technically films, you know, like you see in the cinema. I think the joy of it is is seeing what people can produce. That's the joy of live theatre, seeing what people can produce and, and almost being a part of it. And when you see it streamed, you do feel that you are a part still a part of it. It's very different. And I think people should bite the bullet and and stream if they can. I think it's difficult to it's it's a learning process, but then theatre is a learning process. I think it's you know, there's so many, so many good shows and so many good writers and, you know, such a lot of creativity around that it's good to be able to share that. And I think in this time after the pandemic, I think we've shown how small the world is and how alike we all are. And I think we need to see other people's cultures, other people's thoughts, other people's ideas, and then be able to chat about it because communication is what keeps the world peaceful. It's when you haven't got communication that you get the problems. And we need to now rebuild after the pandemic, I think. Absolutely. Do you think, you, you mentioned you have a, a big support base through your parents and the, and people that yeah. are just supporters of the theatre. Has putting work online or making it available on YouTube or through Scene Saver, has that helped donations? Yes, Yes, it has. Definitely. Um, it has. And you, and you know what? It, sometimes, especially with Chicken Shed, because we we do things beautifully, you know, we we make our own costumes, we make our own sets, but they look phenomenal. And we're also really lucky that we have, you know, certain people that support us, you know, within the business. So a lot of people see us as being incredibly wealthy. We really, really are not wealthy I promise you I do press and PR I don't have a budget I I rely on goodwill of people to promote us um, and I think by putting it online um, and people who don't see all of that other bit um, can see that we are a, a theatre that's you know doing really good work 
and uh, it's worth supporting that. We, we fulfill an awful lot of criteria um, in this world and, you know, which is, is good that people have, won, you know, wanted to support us. We've also, we've got this, this very small fundraising team who are all exactly like me, you know, incredibly passionate um, and they've worked tirelessly throughout the pandemic um, getting, you know, new things in, in the way to support us where they're actually joining with us to work with us and and you know they've really helped to keep us going and we've been incredibly lucky it is lucky but we've worked really hard for it you know we we really do we it would be very easy when you've got the mix of people that we have in our theatre to go along the oh look at us we're doing this where we feel so privileged to have the mix of people we have in our theatre, we are the luckiest theatre in the world because we've got, we always say it's like a, a paint palette. You know, if you have a paint palette and you have five colours, you can make a beautiful picture. We've got a paint palette of a thousand colours and we can make the most spectacular picture you have ever seen. Um, and so we're lucky. You know, we are incredibly lucky to have this this um, base of people, this this wonderful group of people that want to be here love what they're doing and I, I mean I work upstairs and just just to the side of me is the auditorium and you know we've got our students back in now and just sitting working and hearing the music and hearing the voices and hearing the laughter is fantastic that's it's the a most magical thing <laughs> it is it is it's it is magical honestly it is magical and and you know if we ever feel a bit fed up we go in and watch our tales from the shed show which is our our interactive shows for naught to six and come out of that going whoa that was good um you know it's and and like in our bar some of the students go and rehearse so people can come in and have a drink and suddenly find there's you know, 25 students doing something it's just it's like this creative magical place where you never know what's going to happen next but it happens and it's you you come in in the morning with a smile I promise you it sounds so twee and it sounds as though what what are you on but I'm I'm really you come in in the morning and you smile and then you get all these people coming through the office and you smile and you go home at night and you think that was pretty good was, so all those companies all out there that are putting out these, you know, <laughs> empty statements, oh, we want to be more inclusive, we want to oh. have a more diverse population, Chicken Shed are doing it, they are walking the walk, <laughs> yeah. and Honestly, it's, it's yeah. being done. And it works, and yep. it works, and it's, it's, and you watch the people, you know, we've got kids, you know, we've got people who are in some of the West End shows, we've got people who... Uh, I think one works for Google. But, you know, we, we've got kids that maybe had, you never thought would ever go out and they are changing the world. They're, you know, the, the young children are going into their schools and they're talking about what we do here and, and it's changing the way people think. It's, it's, it's changing the voice of people and yeah, don't moan about it. Just do it. Just go and do it and be diverse and, and let everybody work together because they forget then. They forget any differences. They get on stage and their one thing is that they want the audience to clap them. And and people who have been, you know, disregarded and, and told that they're not going to achieve very much, they come here and they go on stage and people stand and clap. Nobody's ever done that to them. They've only ever told them what they can't do. And yet people are standing and clapping and they're going, really? 
this is, you know, and it's, we all need a bit of, you know, you've done well here. This is great um, to make us feel that we want to do something else. Really, we, we could go that next step because we've already done this step. What the world needs now is chicken shed. <laughs> I think it is. I think, <laughs> I, think, I think it should be a word that everybody has in their mind. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, listeners can see a, a tip of the iceberg of Chicken Shed's amazing work on YouTube and on Scene Saver, Rapunzel, Peter Pan, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, Sleeping Beauty Dream On, Crime of the Century, The Midnight Gang, Blowing in the Wind, 100% chance of rain waiting for the ship to sail and tells tv there's i mean that's quite a lot already there but it's the tip of the yeah. iceberg of what you're doing susan this has it been is. so much fun i have a few questions that i ask all my guests okay uh first up do you have a favorite musical um yes i oh gosh it's so difficult um God, it's so difficult let me think because there's too many that I absolutely, <laughs> I obviously love Les Miserables. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. I've seen so many. What do I like? I, I like the normal ones. I like the ones because we always do different ones. Um, so I do like going into the West End and seeing all the stuff that you see. I like cats, you know, and all of those. I love Andrew Lloyd Webber stuff and, and Tim Rice. So, yeah, it's too difficult. There's a lot of good work. My my answer always changes on the depending on the day, my mood. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Do you have a favourite filmed live musical? So a stage musical that's been filmed live in the theatre? I, I did like, um, I did enjoy seeing Hamilton. I thought Hamilton was just amazing and I thought it was as good filmed as it was li I liked it live but yeah I, I thought Hamilton was just phenomenal mm. it, yeah beautiful you mentioned earlier that being uh, watching it on screen is obviously not the same as being in person but it it is it can create its own experience so if a film show it's not exactly a film it's not exactly a live stage show what should we call it I don't know. I have thought of that, really. Uh, it's really funny because I wanted to go and see um, James Corden's. I can't think. Yeah. Uh, One Man, um, Two Governors. That's right, because mm -hmm. my daughter went to school with him. So he knows Emma really well. We live in the same village. Um, and I watched it on on uh, on uh, uh, YouTube and thought that it, it was it was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. And I did think I don't know what you should call it because it's. It's live theater, streamed live theatre, but there, there needs to be a catchy a catchy name for it. But I think there is there is definitely a market for. It. I hope it goes because I would love to see stuff that's in in, in uh, New York. I would love to see stuff from China and different countries that I will never get to see. I'd love to see opera from this, you know things that I really would love to see that I probably wouldn't get to see and, and be lucky if you happen to be there to catch it. So it would be lovely if they could stream. Well, how are you going to get there when you're you're working 27 hours a day to put on all I this know. programming? <laughs> I know, I know, it's so ridiculous. I've got so much holiday due to me. I think I've got 37 years of holiday, 31 years of holidays. And then some. <laughs> yeah. Um, where do you stand on bootlegs? Um, it's difficult, isn't it? Uh, I think 
I think people, I think, oh, I don't know. I, I couldn't say. I think, I think theatre is something that you share with everybody. And so, yeah, I, if it encourages somebody, then maybe it's not that bad. Is that awful? Is that wrong thing to say? There, there are no wrong answers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, what do you wish had been filmed? Um, what show do I wish had been filmed? Uh, I would have liked more of the West End films to, to have been filmed uh, and more of the National Theatre's stuff to be filmed. Um, you know, some of it was, but it was all the things that they felt we wanted to see, which is right. But there are an awful lot of other stuff that I wish had been filmed and, and I wish they'd put them out. And I wouldn't have minded even if they'd put them out if they hadn't been filmed well because we were all prepared, I think, to watch stuff knowing that it wasn't filmed for release. Um, so I wish they'd put a lot of a lot more shows out. Um, and, and in a way, I would have liked to have seen it because some of the shows I've seen have got different people in them. Um, so I would have liked, I would have liked to have seen Anne Juliet. Uh, but yeah, I would have liked to, yeah, but it's a shame they didn't put more out. Mm. Oh, I completely agree. <laughs> Put but everything maybe they out. Will. Maybe, maybe they will. But I think that you sh you could almost have like a stream of things that have been released that weren't due to be released. You know, a whole section of, of theatre that we, you know, we now realise that you'd like to see this and we'll put this out is not well filmed. Um Mm. Yeah. It's... Well, like I think of um, Amelia, the play, which was at the Globe, and it was an archival recording. The sound wasn't great, and they just they put a warning at the beginning. This was this recording was made for archival purposes. The sound isn't mm -hmm. ideal. We recommend closed captions, and it was like one of the best things that I saw during lockdown. It was fantastic, and really? I'm so glad I got to be able to see it because I, you know, I don't live in London anymore, mm -hmm. and it's uh, I wouldn't wouldn't have seen it had they not streamed it had they just not decided it doesn't matter that it's not great quality we're still going to put it out there I really agree I think we're too we're too prone to thinking that things have to be really really well made because of the films and because of all the the technical things that they can now do on films you know they they can make people different heads different body you know they can do all sorts of things um and I think that theatre even when it's not recorded for release is still really as long as you can hear it you know or even if they put subtitles on I think you can still see it and see how it works and it is so important to do that mm. oh so absolutely I hope, they, I hope they continue on that note what would you like to see filmed in the future <gasps> gosh I'd like to see all the chicken shed stuff filmed I would I if <laughs> I would like to go back and do an awful lot of our shows again and film them because you know we tend to write our own stuff and it's such good good work um so yeah i'd like i don't know what else i'd like to see see you haven't warned me so i got there's too many things <laughs> that i would like i would like to see filmed um, I, I would I also love to see more chicken shed things and how are you going to bring back all your hundreds and thousands of cast members <laughs> well, that's to, to restage your shows <laughs> that is a problem but we are we did for our education we brought back five shows that we worked with the young people we showed them our archival stuff and then we reproduced it for our students and you know things grow and things change and it was beautiful to see them doing crime when we actually filmed it 
And now these young people are doing it and just putting their take on it. So it won't matter that we haven't got the originals. I think, you know, I think it's lovely to revisit them and, and then, you know, do it again. And, and, and life has changed a bit too. So we can add bits. We're doing this year for our Christmas. We haven't released it yet. Um, we did a show uh, called Grim Nights and Ever After Days and we're doing Ever After Days. So we're sort of reviving that one for Christmas. We hope if we can stay open. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's exciting. I think we will bring back some of our show. I think because so many people have wanted to watch them and even the ones we've put out, some of them have been quite old and, you know, they've, they've wanted to, to see them again. I think it would be good to do, do some of the stuff that we've written and we know is, is good. I want to do our Shakespeare again because our Midsummer Night's Dream was all sung and it is beautiful. It is. And we don't have an unhappy ending. So I'm not going to tell you the ending, but we don't, you know, I'm in Summer Night's Dream. Uh, no, Romeo and Juliet, we don't have an unhappy ending. We have a very, uh, yeah, a different ending. And, and that's all sung as well. It, they're beautiful. Our Shakespeare stuff is beautiful. Mm. Oh, and the kids love it, you know, because they go Shakespeare. And then the way we do it is just brilliant. Oh, yes, please. I would love to see those. Those, oh, they're lovely. They were good with Shakespeare. <laughs> Where can we find Chicken Shed online? Online, www.chickenshed.org.uk. Fabulous. Everyone and Chicken should... Shed YouTube. Yeah, just put yeah. Chicken Shed YouTube and it comes on. Everyone should absolutely go and check out their amazing work. It's, uh, it's really some of the best stuff I've seen over the pandemic. And I'm, I'm so glad that, you know, I'm, I hate that the pandemic happened, but I'm so glad that it led me to companies like yours. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Well, I hope you'll come and see us when you're back in England and I hope we'll come to New York. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Susan. This has been really, That's really wonderful okay. chatting with you today. That's a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Filmed Live Musicals is a labor of love and we'd like to thank everyone who makes it possible. Thank you to our patrons, Josh Brandon, Mercedes Esteban, Rachel Esteban, James T. Lane, David Negrin, Jesse Rabinowitz and Brenda Goodman, Al Monaco, David and Catherine Rabinowitz, and Beck Twist for your support. If you'd like to support Filmed Live Musicals, please like and review on your podcast app, find us on Twitter at Musicals on Screen, and on Facebook at Filmed Live Musicals. If you'd like to support the site financially, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash musicals on screen. No matter what level you're able to pledge, you receive early access to written content and early access to this very podcast. Visit www.filmedlivemusicals.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. <laughs>